0: This is CES Tech Talk. I'm James Kotecki, bringing you an interview that I recorded live at the C-Space studio at CES 2023. Enjoy. Hey, you're back with me, James Kotecki in the C-Space studio sponsored by Salesforce here at CES 2023. And it's time to talk about the metaverse with Denise Zhang, the managing director of Metaverse Continuum Business Group, at Accenture. Welcome to the C-Space Studio. Thanks so
1: much. It's great to be here.
0: (laughs) So we've talked about the metaverse with several folks here in the C-Space Studio, but everybody has their own definition of it and we probably need to start this conversation by just level setting. How do you define what the metaverse means?
1: Well, from my perspective, the metaverse is really a continuum. It's 2D to 3D, it's immersive, it's gamification, it's blockchain, it's a lot of different technologies coming together to form the next generation of the internet. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna see a lot of new interfaces, much more immersive interfaces, and frankly a lot of technologies that are enabling this new trend.
0: So Metaverse Continuum Business Group, the continuum part is right in the name of your title there. Exactly. So what are you up to at Accenture? What does your day-to-day look like? What are you doing with clients?
1: Well, we're helping clients test and learn in the metaverse and understand where they can realize real true value and how it fits into their strategy. So right now we're seeing a lot of brands engaging with the metaverse, doing experimentation, um, launching campaigns even. And for a lot of the clients that we're working with, they want to understand what's the value? How do I you know, gain strategic competitive advantage by leveraging yeah. the metaverse and how do I enter?
0: Um, is it too early to talk about ROI in a lot of these conversations? Are people really still at that experimental level?
1: That's a really good question. I think that for many companies, they're already seeing a lot of ROI. And you know, I want to talk about sort of how that's being realized in the consumer space. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a consumer electronics yeah. show. But it's also being realized in the enterprise space as well. So take Accenture, for example. We have the largest enterprise metaverse so we have 150,000 people that have been onboarded into our company as new joiners using the metaverse and that's because during the pandemic you know people were not able to come to our office for the first time so so folks were being onboarded into Accenture as a new joiner in the nth floor what we call our enterprise metaverse and we realized true value from that because we were able to show our new people you know what does our office look like enable those water cooler conversations. And that is really kind of priceless, right, when it comes to creating those bonds, creating that sense of identity within our company. On the consumer side, I mean, take Nike. Nike's a great example of a company who's entered the metaverse experimenting with Web3 and has realized a tremendous amount of revenue from, you know, digital sneakers, NFTs. So value is being realized across the board.
0: When you're talking about the Accenture Metaverse, what was the technology people were using to actually access that? Are they at home with VR headsets on? What does that exactly. look
1: like? Exactly. So we deployed VR headsets to our people and we also built our own custom environment in Altspace and we're actually migrating and uh, experimenting with other Metaverse platforms as well. But for some of our people that um, you know aren't used to wearing the headset or they have some you know, limitations that prevent their ability to engage in that way, they can use a 2D screen. And yeah. so um, it is accessible in that, in that realm, uh, and, and we've been very thoughtful to try and make sure that, you know, all people can
0: leverage it. So how much does the gear, does the equipment matter to what the ultimate vision of the metaverse is? Can people in the future fully realize the metaverse without strapping on a VR headset and a haptic suit?
1: Absolutely. I haven't put on the haptic suit yet. I don't know if you have. I imagine it would be a little bit uncomfortable at this time. Um, Absolutely. So as I mentioned, you know, we really view this as a continuum of technology and that it's accessible from a 2D screen all the way to 3D immersive, fully VR, augmented reality, you know, mixed reality. Um, Right now we're using headsets. We're experimenting with a lot of different headsets but we're primarily using Oculus right now and um, you know there have been tremendous improvements that we've seen from Oculus Quest to Oculus Quest Pro and uh, I'm really excited to see sort of what new innovations and and frankly some lower price points as well so it becomes more affordable to more people.
0: What kind of data do businesses get when they operate? in the metaverse? I mean, I imagine it's theoretically possible to get data points on every single move that I'm making in this 3D environment, but maybe that's too much data to actually be useful. So how do you think about data in these terms?
1: There's a lot of data that's accessible and really valuable data to get you much, much closer to the user, to understand, you know, what are their physical reactions? What are their emotional reactions? How do they respond to advertising, perhaps, that you deliver through these mediums? I think we need to be extraordinarily careful about how we leverage that data, especially in the environment that we're in now where people feel like their data is being exploited. So being super transparent about what data is being collected, how it's being used, and acquiring the consent in order to leverage that data so that companies can really realize the value of user data in the metaverse.
0: What are the technological issues right now that are preventing the metaverse and the experience of it from getting to whatever the next level is? What are the current biggest hurdles?
1: Gosh, there are a number of hurdles, um, as you know. So latency is one of the issues. We need more powerful graphic uh, 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 processing capabilities on device. Um, Another big challenge, which I think actually AI is helping to solve, is creating these really rich, sometimes photorealistic virtual environments. There frankly aren't enough people in this space, 3D artists and others, that are capable of generating these environments. Um, and I think with technology, with artificial intelligence, you know, we talk about ChatGBT all the time. I think your previous speaker was just talking yeah, about it. It's one of the hottest, most exciting things right now. But, you know, OpenAI has recently developed as well something called Point E, which uses text inputs to generate 3D point cloud uh, uh, imagery in three dimensions. So that's going to significantly lower the barrier to creating these wow. environments. Mm-hmm. And you and I, you know, we can say create a CESC space studio yeah. and perhaps even have this meeting <laughs> in a <laughs> virtual for, environment.
0: I look forward to that. There is something nice about having people in person though, especially uh, coming out of the pandemic. So we really appreciate you being here for that. Um, you, uh, you have an international security background, which is cool. Uh, do you ever think about the international boundaries questions when it comes to the metaverse? Do you think about it in those terms at all?
1: I do think about it in those terms, and you know it, sometimes it goes to a slightly more sort of dystopian yeah. place. Mm. Uh, perhaps. I mean, I think of the metaverse as one of those areas where you see, again, a lot of technologies coming together to create it and enable it, but it's technologies where countries' jurisdictions are really battling over who's going to win in yeah. the future of this technology. Right. AI being one, immersive interfaces being another, compute capacity, compute power as well. And, um, you know, there's also the blurring of geographic lines, just as there is blurring between what's physical and what's real, there's blurring of geographic lines as well.
0: People from different countries can get together in the metaverse and all be in the same shared space.
1: Exactly. So if you have a user in China who's engaging in a platform, there are very different laws and regulations in China that govern data privacy than in the European Union. So how do you, as a company that's providing a global service, reconcile all of those different regulations and create a seamless experience? That's going to be Mm -hmm. tricky. It's going to be difficult. So, um, you know.
0: Does that point to a future of multiple fractured walled off metaverses? Do you see a future of the metaverse? Where do you see that going?
1: I don't think there's going to be one single metaverse. Mm -hmm. Um, There are going to be a lot of different virtual platforms, a lot of different metaverse spaces, and they'll operate under different governance rules. Some of them may be decentralized, built on Web3, right? Others may be fully centralized. Some may be walled, some may be open what i hope though is that the standards bodies the companies that are building the devices the platforms especially the largest ones will come together to agree on a set of standards that make the metaverse interoperable and that allow users to have a much more seamless user experience and when we you know when we asked users we conducted a global survey 19 countries about 18,000 respondents they said this is really important that they're able to take their avatars, their identities, their wallets, their objects from one platform to another. Yes.
0: Uh, What's the question that I should ask others about the metaverse here in the C-Space studio?
1: That's such a good question. I was, you know, I was thinking, what question would be really interesting? I would probably ask people, you know, what do they think the biggest like killer app is going to be in the metaverse. Mm. Like what's the one thing that's going to like take us over the threshold into making this truly mainstream. We talk about the metaverse a lot today. Yeah. We have great you know, examples of it, but what's going to make it and bring it to every household in America.
0: Do you have any thoughts on that yourself?
1: Um, just pivot yeah, the question is, guess, I'm kind of a I'm lazy sure, yeah, right, sure. I'm asking
0: you to ask your own question and then ask it right back to you but it's a curious question
1: so I think affordability is one of them right so right now the devices are still kind of expensive and if we could drive down that cost more people could get access to it I think the second thing is actually around digital safety a lot of families you know see their kids playing more, Time, spending more time on gaming, sure. spending more time on social media. I'm wondering, is it safe for my children? So if we could put in some norms, some code of conduct, practices in place to create that digitally safe environment for people of all ages, and then address that affordability question, then the metaverse could be in every household.
0: We'll come back and talk to us again, please, here or in the metaverse. Denise Zhang at Accenture, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so us. much
1: James, great to but- be here.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that live conversation from CES 2023. Look up the CES C Space Studio for more conversations like that. And get even more CES at CES.Tech. That's CES.Tech. And of course, please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a moment. I'm James Kotecki, talking tech on CES Tech Talk.